hey, we're going through this Fruits of the Spirit series. And what we're doing is we're studying living the abundant life. Because Jesus, remember, said in John 10.10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it what? More abundantly. And we've seen one of the keys to living this abundant life is to be connected in Jesus such a way that we're abiding in him, he's abiding in us, and we're producing much fruit because apart from him, we could do nothing. But with him, we're gonna see this morning, Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And so what we're looking at is we're going one week at a time, we're looking at each one of the fruits of the Spirit, we're going in depth. We're finding a passage that will break down that fruit of the Spirit and help us to apply that fruit in our lives in a better and a fuller and more complete way. We've already done the first two fruits of the Spirit. Remember, love, and last week was what? Joy. And remember, we, we see these fruits are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So today, we're on peace we're on peace. Before we go there, though, a couple of things I want to reiterate from announcements. Uh, first of all, um, ladies, you're not doing women's Bible study this week because there's an appreciation dinner for U-Turn for Christ. So no Thursday night Bible study, no Friday morning Bible study. Take a break. It'll be back in full force next week. Also, I want to reiterate what, what, what uh, was being said about that uh, motorcycle ride. We're doing a once-a-month motorcycle ride for the next five, six months after men's breakfast. If you got a bike, if you're a holy roller, and uh, you want to roll with us, uh, May 19th after men's breakfast, we'll uh, do men's breakfast at 7.30, we're gonna, 9 o'clock we're going to go, and we've already decided we're going to go to Healing Springs, this uh, place that has this uh, a fountain or whatever, and then we're going to go to an Amish restaurant uh, for lunch. So if you want to join us, bring your motorcycles out, we'll, we'll, we'll drive together. So anyways, peace. We're going to talk about peace this morning. The fruit of the Spirit of peace. I was reading this week that... Just in America alone, the United States of America, 15 tons of aspirin are bought every single day because of the lack of peace people have, and they're getting headaches because of stress. Peace. Uh, to prove to you that we need this fruit of the spirit of peace, let, let's, let's complete some of these phrases that's a part of our culture that lacks peace. If, if you know the answer to this, uh, fill in the blank. I'm about to throw in my... There you go. Um, another phrase after throwing a towel. I'm at the end of my, there you go. I'm a bundle of, had someone in the first service right here, the second seat. I'm a bundle of joy. I'm going, he listened last week. <laughs> bundle of nerves. I'm at my wits. I'm resigning from the, oh, you didn't get that one, from the human race. And that's how people feel, and that's how we feel sometimes, because there's just a lack of peace. And so we're going to talk about peace this morning, how we can have more peace. Uh, peace appears in the Bible 400 times. Let me give you just a few examples of what the Bible says about peace. Just a kind of a scattergun approach here, just a few verses. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. We're supposed to have Christ's peace ruling in our hearts. Actually, in the original language, let it be the umpire in your heart. Let it call the shots in your heart. John 14, 27, Jesus put it this way. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Luke 2, 14, the angels announcing the birth of Jesus said this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what? Peace among men, 
with whom he is well pleased. Psalm 4, 8, I like this one. It says, in peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Jesus, speaking again, John 16, said this, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take courage, I've overcome the world. Isaiah 26, 3, the steadfast of mine you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Now, 2 Thessalonians 3, 16, now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance, the Lord be with you all. So all throughout the Bible, 400 times, we're told about peace. And we're told that Jesus' very name is he's the prince of peace. And he wants you to have peace, and he wants me to have peace. And so we're going to learn about peace this morning. Let's look at, first of all, what does the word peace mean? Uh, 200 times in the Old Testament, peace was used. And the word in the Old Testament in Hebrew for peace was shalom. Shalom. Interesting. Um, uh, peace being shalom in the Old Testament. Um, let me give you what David Jeremiah had to say about peace, the word shalom in the Old Testament. It says the Hebrew word shalom has a rich meaning. This word in the Old Testament is found 200 times in the Old Testament, and its basic meaning is to be whole or safe or sound. Shalom designates a condition in which life can best be lived. It's the concept of integrity, of body, soul, and spirit, and they're all in alignment. In shalom, you have more than the absence of hostility. You have a quality of life that nurtures peace. David Jeremiah says, shalom is the condition of everything being set right. It's about fulfillment, completion, maturity, soundness, wholeness, harmony, tranquility, security, well-being, welfare, friendship, agreement, success, prosperity. It's about the total well-being of the person and the community. It's one of the deepest longings of the human heart. Shalom means all is well in my life. Everything is integrated in my life. And when Jesus came, he brought that certainty to us. He's the only way to have peace in your life. Commenting on peace, Ray Stedman, the great Bible commentator, said this, our hearts are at peace. Calmness, courage, to use a modern term, and I think the most accurate for peace is we have good morale. Our morale is high. We're ready for anything. No ground could be too rough for Christ, and we have Christ, therefore we have peace and good morale. Interesting. Now, the Greek word, New Testament, a little bit different, it's not shalom, it's arion. And arion in the New Testament, uh, very similar to shalom, it means a state of natural tranquility. Interesting. It means, uh, uh, in the New Testament, it means a serenity of soul. It means you're exempt from inner conflict or rage. It's a soul that has security, safety, prosperity, peace, and harmony, where things are safe, and there's, a, and there's a prosperity of soul. That's peace in the New Testament. I don't know about you. I want more of this. I want more peace. Peace. Interesting. The, the New Testament letters oftentimes begin with a greeting, grace to you, and what? Peace. 18 of the 27 books of the New Testament begin with this greeting, grace to you, and peace. So we're going to study about peace this morning. And again, you need it, I need it, I want more of it, and we're going to learn from one of the greatest passages in the Bible, practically speaking, how we can have more peace. I just want to read the passage, and then we're going to break down verse by verse 
ways that we can have more peace. You ready, church? Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 13. And we're just going to read it, and then we're going to break down each verse that will help us grab onto more peace, more rest, more comfort of soul, more prosperity of soul. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Let's read it together. It says this, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here it is, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. In other words, it says, let your mind dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace, what? Will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now unless you've revived your concern for me, indeed you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am, I'm in. I know how to get along with humble means. I know how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstances, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Great passage. Great passage on peace. And I'm going to give you six things that need to be right in your life if you're going to have peace. And the first thing, if you want to have peace, is you've got to have the right focus in life. Go back to verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes when everything's great. What does it say? <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. If you want peace... You gotta have the right focus for peace. And here's the focus. It's not on your circumstances. You're not gonna have peace in your life if your peace is dependent on your circumstances. Can I be real honest with you? Sometimes your circumstances in life are gonna stink. Paul was in a bad situation when he wrote this letter to the Philippians. He was sitting in a Roman jail cell chained to two different Roman guards awaiting his possible uh, execution by Nero. And he was... He was literally chained 24 hours a day to guards. Every four hours, a different guard would come and get chained to a new guard. And he was about to, he very likely would be killed. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain in Philippians chapter one. He was anticipating his possible execution by Nero while he was writing this letter. But 16 times in these four chapters of this letter, he talks about joy, 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 16 times. You know why he could talk about joy chained to guards, possibly waiting as execution? Because his joy was not dependent on his circumstances. He was, his joy was based on his relationship with Jesus Christ, and he knew that no matter what his circumstances were, he had reason in Christ to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Interesting. Paul wasn't focusing on the circumstances. He was focusing on the Lord and that focus caused him to praise the Lord and talk about joy 16 times in four chapters because he had joy, joy in his heart because his focus was on the Lord. And you know what? We always can rejoice in the Lord. We can't always rejoice in our circumstances, but we can always rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because if you're a Christian, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
that should bring joy and a reason to rejoice no matter what your circumstances are. If you're a Christian, your sins are forgiven. If you're a Christian, you've been adopted into God's family. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit to be your helper. If you're a Christian, paradise is right around the corner because Christ in you is the hope of glory. If you're a Christian, you're one of the king's kids. If you're a Christian, you don't have a spirit of fear anymore leading to slavery, but a spirit of sonship by which you can cry out, Abba, Father. If you're a Christian, you get to be a part of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and you're gonna reign with Christ here on earth for a thousand years according to Revelation chapter 20. If you're a Christian, man, the most important things in your life are already predestined and taken care of because you're a son and daughter of God. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now let me tell you something. Paul was not an armchair expert in this area. He wasn't writing this from an ivory tower. Again, he's chained to Roman guards. But he chose not to focus on his circumstances. He chose to be a person of praise no matter what his circumstances were. And Paul, that was his M.O. Paul, when he started this church in Philippi, he was falsely accused, and he was beaten with rods, and then he was thrown in a dungeon, in the, uh, the Philippian dungeon, and put in stocks with a bloody back. And you remember what he did in that circumstance with Silas? What did he do? It's about midnight, and he sang hymns of praise to his God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, and I would dare say with bloody backs in stocks in a uh, falsely accused position, Paul not only had joy, he had peace because he was rejoicing the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I I learned this lesson one time when I was on my first mission trip. We took a bunch of us young lifers, went to um, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and we went to the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and we helped build a water irrigation system for a Methodist mission. And as we were doing this, we got to know some of these Haitians, and I I was puzzled because some of these kids, a lot of them that were were native Haitians and stuff, they had orange hair. And I I remember I asked the Methodist missionary, I said, what's the deal? Is this the hip thing among young kids to dye their, you know, because they were black and and they had orange hair. And I go, is this the cool thing to dye your hair orange and stuff? And he just looked at me like, man, you don't know what you're talking about. And he gave me one of those looks. He said, their hair is orange because they're malnourished and they don't have enough food and their tummies are swollen because they're malnourished and they're in almost a place of starvation. Broke my heart. And then I remember going that Sunday to church and they didn't have cars so a lot of us just walked with a lot of the other Haitians. We walked up to their church that was up on the hillside. I remember walking up there and we just got in a crowd of some of these young kids with the orange hair. And as we were walking up to church they were singing and praising God. And they were laughing. They were smiling. And they were rejoicing in the Lord. And they were orange hair, malnourished, swollen tummies, rejoicing in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I remember watching them going, this is a lesson in praise and joy to John Hoppy. No matter what my circumstances, I've always had enough food. These guys don't even have enough food. And they're praising and rejoicing in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And they had peace. Amen? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Have the right focus in life. Don't focus on your circumstances. Be a person of praise. That's why it's important to be in church. 
What we do when we come to church on Sunday mornings, we get our eyes off our circumstances and we rejoice in the Lord no matter what our circumstances are and it'll give you peace. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then it says the next thing, you not only have to have the right focus, you gotta have the right spirit. Look what the spirit is we're supposed to have. Verse five, let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is what? Near. The word uh, gentle spirit, also translated forbearing spirit. What did we learn last week or a couple weeks ago in 1 Corinthians 13? God's love bears all things. An important, important part of peace is have a bearing spirit with other people where you forbear their weaknesses, their faults, their idiosyncrasies. You're not going to have peace if you're constantly bugged by people. And part of what we need to be is people that have the right spirit towards other people, a forbearing spirit. Why? Because the Lord's near. And a part of the thing that will help you have the right spirit towards other people is to realize the nearness of Christ and draw near to him, he'll draw near you, and he'll give you a spirit of peace that will translate it not only to your soul but into your relationships with other people where you have a forbearing spirit with other people. And moms, you know what I'm talking about, especially if you have young kids. It's hard sometimes, right? It's hard sometimes to have peace because life is Whoa! like this all the time. So I, I, remember, I remember we had four kids. And I remember driving to Chicago on Christmas Day. For years, our tradition was Christmas Eve's candlelight service, and then we'd wake up at 4.30 in the morning, get all the kids up, and we'd charge to Chicago for a 13-and-a-half-hour drive to be there in time for a 5.30 Christmas dinner with my whole family up there in Chicago. And I remember we'd get about nine, 10, about nine or 10 hours into that drive. We'd stop about halfway in like Lexington, Kentucky. We found all the McDonald's and Burger Kings were closed, so we found like this, this Asian restaurant that had, was open on Christmas Day. And then we'd get in the car, and we'd get there, and about two or three hours before we hit Chicago, all craziness would break forth. The middle two kids, it was like World War III back there in the back seat. Rawr! Like this, you know? And, and it was just craziness in the hoppy van. We had this tradition that two hours out of Chicago, we had the mute button. You know what a mute button is? On your remote control? We said, okay, happy kids, mute button. Have a vow of silence for the next two hours. And if you don't, we're stopping at the next rest area and we'll get the rod of correction to your uh, seat of understanding. <laughs> we did. We did. And it was, it was just like, whoo, peace. No, no one said a word for the last two, last, last two hours of that trip. So I know what you're dealing with when, when we're talking about having a forbearing spirit. But listen, God's got a forbearing spirit with us, doesn't he? He hasn't sent his son back to, to come back and rapture his church yet because he's patient with us, not wanting for any to perish but all to come to repentance. And we need to remember the Lord is near. And our forbearing spirit is that actually translate, the Lord is at hand. Any moment Christ is coming back. So let's get along. Let's have a forbearing spirit with one another. We have, let's have the right spirit. That'll help bring more peace into our lives and our relationships. Patience. Oh, I'm still dreading teaching on the next fruit of the spirit, patience, because I struggle with that too. But a part of peace is having a forbearing spirit with other people, having the right spirit, because the Lord is near. He's at a hand. He's coming soon. So the right focus, the right spirit, hey, the next two verses, if you don't remember anything else, grab onto these verses for peace. Two of the best verses in the entire Bible practically and how we can have peace. Look at it, verses six and seven. Be anxious for, 
nothing, right? But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what's the result? The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. By the way, that's not a suggestion. It's imperative in the Greek. It's a commandment. Be anxious for nothing. Stop stressing and start praying is what he's saying. That's a a John Hoppe translation of that verse six. Stop worrying and start praying. And how are you supposed to pray? Well, well, when you're stressing and there's anxiety and you're anxious about stuff, it says, first of all, come to him in prayer. The word prayer there is communion with God. Spend some time just being in his presence. And he is the God of peace that will give you peace. And why does that give you peace? Because the Bible says, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Another version says, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. And as you spend time communing with him, you're taking the burden off your shoulder and you're putting it to God's presence and God's power. Bill Bright said, founder of Campus Crusade, I've discovered in my life either I can carry my burdens or Jesus can. We both can't carry the burdens and my personal decisions is to give my burdens on a daily basis to Jesus Christ in prayer. Good quote, good quote. And so one of the reasons why we have stress, we have worry, we have anxiety, because we're not giving them to God, casting them to him in prayer. And then after we pray and commune with him, the next word there is supplication. That's requests. You know, God loves you enough and cares enough about you, for you to, to answer your prayers. He does. The prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective. They availeth much, one version says. And when you supplicate, what you're supplicating is you're saying, give us this day our daily bread. You're, you're giving specific requests to God, and then you're casting those requests to him, and you're letting him take care of business for you. Supplication. And then after you supplicate, it says thanksgiving. What's that about? Thanksgiving is, okay, God, thank you. Thank you that you got this. Thank you that I could trust you. Thank you for all these blessings, and you start thanking him. And I think a good pattern for prayer, I do it every day, is pray through acts. Adore him, you're communing with him, confess your sins, see, and then thank him, and then supplicate, S, acts. Very powerful way of praying, just adoring him, praising him, confessing your sin, thanking him, and then supplicating acts. Good, 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 good standard for your prayer, structure for your prayers. Interesting. And then it says, and then again, let your requests be made known to God. And listen, as you do that, the result, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The word guard there, interesting word, it's a military term for a fortress. And it's like what you're doing when you give your request to God and you pray about things and put it in his hands. There's like a fortress around your heart and your mind. You know why there needs to be a fortress around our heart and our mind? Because there's a battle zone. It is. Satan is attacking us in regards to fiery darts at our heart and our mind. And one of the greatest fortresses we could put is be people of prayer in the midst of the attacks and give it to him, cast it upon him. One of the greatest examples in scripture of someone doing this is Jesus. You remember 
When, when, when was Jesus the most stressed in his entire human life? It was the night he was gonna be arrested, the night before the crucifixion. In his omniscience, in his knowledge, he knew what was coming. Jesus knew all things. And he knew that the, that night he was gonna be arrested, betrayed by Judas, and the next day he was gonna face the torture, the pain of the cross. And it wasn't just the physical torture, it was the alienation from his father for the first time. And he'd cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And as he was facing that, he was stressed. Jesus was, did you know that? The Bible says as Jesus was anticipating his own arrest, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he was so distressed in his soul that he was sweating blood. It's a medical condition where stress causes your blood to enter into your glands and you actually sweat blood. That's how distressed he was. So what did Jesus do? In his human flesh, he said, time to pray. And he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed. And he supplicated, like we're talking about. He let his request be made known to his father and said, Father, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass from me. And he prayed. And I believe it was a dialogue. An important part of prayer, too, is you're not just speaking all the time, you're listening. And as Jesus supplicated, Father, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass from me. The Father made it clear to him, there's no way other way for man to be saved. Son, you're going to need to go to the cross to pay for man's sins. And so at that point, he said, okay, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. And as he let go of that and put it in the Father's hands, cast that care upon the Father, I believe he went from a place of distress to a place of peace. And he got his disciples. He had to wake up his disciples three times. They were sleeping the whole time. And he woke them up, and they said, okay, I'm ready now. Let's go. I've cast my cares upon him. Question. What have you been stressing out about lately? Another question. Have you been fervently praying and then giving those things to the Lord in prayer and letting, letting, casting those cares upon him because he cares for you? It'll help. It'll guard your heart and your mind as you supplicate and give it to the Lord in prayer. And then let him have it. Let him take care of business. He'll do a lot better job than you can. Be anxious for nothing. But everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. You've got to have the right prayers and be a person of prayer. And then after the right prayers, it says you've got to have the right thinking. Look at verse 8 again. Finally, brother, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That list just <laughs> gave us the opposite of what we watch on TV every night, right? Think about that. Think about the exposure that we have and what's, what's, what's bombarding our minds on a regular basis. Just on TV. Is it right? Is it pure? Is it noble? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? I read this week, Nielsen Ratings just recently uh, did a, a whole study in the United States, and the Nielsen Ratings said that the average American watches 40 hours of television a week. That's five hours plus every day. And we wonder why we're stressed out. And, and people are going to bed with all that stuff just invading their minds. And you know what? One of the things the Lord's laid on my heart and I, I try to do every day is to start my day with God's word and end my day with God's word. 
You know what? Um, the Bible makes it very clear that we're washed by the water of the word. And I, I don't know about you, I need that washing. And as I have the right thinking instead of stinking thinking, there's more peace in my life. The Bible says the blessed man, he meditates on God's word day and night. And because he's, he begins his day and ends his day in God's word, Psalm 1 verses 2 to 3 says, he'll be like a tree planted by streams of water and his leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers. And so what Heidi and I do, and we do every morning is we, we, I go up to my reading room and have this reading room right off our main bedroom and um, get my Bible out. I do my New Testament reading in the morning. I study God's word in the morning and then I have a time of prayer. And I do that before I begin my day. Then every night, we go to the reading room. We don't end our day with TV in our minds. We end our day in the reading room with the word of God. And I read my Old Testament reading because I'm trying to read through the whole Bible again this year. And I'm reading the Old Testament before I go to bed at night. And then we have devotions. We do daily bread, read another scripture, and then pray. What a better way to end the day. You know, Pastor Chuck, founding pastor of Calvary Chapel for years, he was on the radio all over the country in cities on Christian radio stations. All over, still is to this day. He's on, the, he's on radio stations all over the country. And you know what? His favorite time slot that he slotted on most of the radio stations, you know what time of day it was? It was 9 o'clock or 10 p.m. Because he wanted people to hear God's word and be taught God's word right before they go to bed. And he, he said just kind of in a funny way, he said, man, I put thousands of Americans to sleep every single night. Because they'd be, <laughs> but what a, what a good way to end the day, right? Be under the teaching of God's word. And so if you want to have more peace, have more of this. Have more of a commitment to begin your day and end your day with God's word, and you'll be blessed. And you'll be like that tree firmly planted by streams of water. Your leaf won't wither, and you'll have prosperity, primarily prosperity of soul. Peace. Amen. And then it goes on, verse 9, the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so we, we've seen we've got to have right focus, and that's rejoicing in the Lord always, right spirit, have a forbearing spirit towards the right prayers, supplicating and thanksgiving and letting requests be made known, right thinking, noble, excellent praise. But now we, listen, next thing we've got to have, you have peace, right living, right living. And there's a process of discipleship here, really good, that Paul lays out here. If you want to have right living and be a disciple of Christ, then you need to be someone who's learning, who's receiving, who's hearing God's word, and then seeing it in other people, and then practicing these things. And as you walk in that, the God of peace will be with you. Listen, you can never have peace as a Christian and be living in disobedience. You can't. God won't let you. If you disobey him as a Christian, not only is those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, but he also, he'll make you restless because the Holy Spirit will constantly be convicting you in sin and righteousness, judgment to come until you repent. Seen it. The most restless times in my life is when I've backslidden, I've gotten into a season of disobedience, and I'm doing wrong things, and the Lord just makes me restless because he loves me too much to let me stay in the disobedience. He'll convict me until I get it right. And I thank God for that. I call it spiritual pain. It's like if you put your hand on a burning stove, you want it to hurt, don't you? 
Yeah, don't you? I sure hope so, unless you want a melted hand. It's the same thing. Spiritual pain is conviction of the Holy Spirit. It'll make you miserable until you get it right and you repent. And you live right, and then there'll be peace again. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it's an important part of having peace. You know, if you're, if you're a disobedient as a Christian and you're going into rebellion and backsliding and all that kind of stuff, you know what? God is gonna make you not enjoy life anymore because you have too much of the Jesus to enjoy the world anymore and you have too much of the world to enjoy Jesus. And you're on this fence. Some of you this morning might need to get up the fence. Stop living in rebellion against God and you'll have more peace. Peace. I love the story of the prodigal son. <laughs> it's wonderful. And, it, you know, he's, he's, he's eating the slop of the pigs. And he's in this mess. And he's the, he's, he's the son of a wealthy estate owner and finally realizes, my, my dad's slaves have it better than me. And it says, then he comes to his senses. And he goes home. And the father, waiting for him on the front porch, comes running towards him with open arms. And can you imagine not only the joy but the peace that son finally had again after all that rebellion. God loves you. He loves me. Even in our rebellion, he loves us to the point that he'll convict us to bring us back to himself so we can come home and get it right. Some of you might need to do that this morning. I encourage you, if you need to do that, you'll have more peace if you do that. Well, how do you do that? Well, First John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful, he's just, he will forgive and then he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You need to, hey, if you want to get things right with God and you're in disobedience, just go to his throne of grace and say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I want to get this right with you and I want to repent. As David said, God, just create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. You know, take not thy Holy Spirit from me and restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And not only will that joy will come back, but the peace will too. I love what David said in Psalm 32 after he was forgiven and after he experienced the peace of forgiveness. He said in Psalm 32, how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there's no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. You forgave the guilt of my sin, Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will counsel you with my eye upon you. See the safety and peace that confession and repentance brings into our lives. It's, again, it's an important part of peace is having right living. And we'll close with this now. You've got to have the right source for peace, too. Again, you'll never have peace abounding in your life if your source for peace is your stuff. If your source for peace is your circumstances. If your source for peace is your lot in life, you will never have full peace. But look what Paul says now. We'll close with this, verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now unless you revived your concern for me, indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. 
I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of both being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And great verse, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now here's Paul's situation. Again, he's in a Roman jail cell. He's about possibly awaiting uh, execution. And he says to the Philippians, Thank you, basically, he's saying here, for bringing this gift to me. Thank you for providing for my needs. But Philippians, let me tell you something. No matter what I have, I can be content. The word content there means sufficient. And he said, even if you didn't bring me something, I've learned the secret of being sufficient. I've learned the secret, whether hungry or well-fed, whether living in prosperity or having need, I've learned the secret of sufficiency. He's learned the secret of peace. You see, here's a secret. It's not found in your stuff. It's not found in your lot in life. It's found in Jesus. And I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength and gives me peace. And you know what? That's the last thing you gotta grab onto if you want peace. Your source for peace, it's gotta be Jesus. It's got to be spending time with him and letting him invade your heart with his peace. And if you haven't come to the point of even getting peace with God through Christ, you need to come to Christ. Because Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, but my burden is light. Peace. The major thing you got to understand if you want peace is this, it's, there's this hole in your heart that's put there by God himself. And the only way that hole, that restlessness is going to be solved is Jesus. And that's why he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you'll find rest for your souls. I love what Augustine said. He said, my soul will not rest till it rests in thee, O Lord. I love that little slogan that says, know Jesus, N-O, know Jesus, know what? Peace. But K-N-O-W, know Jesus, you're gonna know peace. Another quote that I read this week that was awesome, it says, peace is not the absence of stress, peace is the presence of a Savior. Amen? Amen. So if you're here this morning and you want more peace, got to have the right source. Gotta go, don't look to stuff, circumstances, a uh, lot in life to have peace. Because sometimes, I'll be honest with you, sometimes our lot in life is going to be tough. In this world you will have tribulation. But hey, take heart because he's overcome the world. And be people that look not to your stuff or your lot in life, look to Jesus for peace. Have the right, let's go through it. Have the right focus. And what's the right focus if we want peace? Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Always. Again, I say rejoice. Have the right spirit. What's the right spirit? Let your forbearing spirit, your, your spirit of patience and bearing with people be made known to all men because the Lord's near. And what's the right prayers? Praying with supplication and thanksgiving, letting your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will guard your heart and minds as you have the right prayers. And also, you've got to have the right thinking. Let your mind dwell on these things, that which is noble and good and excellent and praiseworthy. And what's the source for the right thinking? 
It's the Word of God. And as you're in the Word of God, you'll have pure and noble and excellent and praiseworthy thoughts. And that right thinking will bring peace. Also, right living. You've got to be in a position of discipleship where you're hearing and you're being taught and you're receiving and you're seeing what other people are practicing and you're following their example and you're following them as you follow Christ. And that will bring peace because you're living in obedience instead of disobedience. And then you've got to have the right source. And what's the source for our peace? It's Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And Jesus says, I'll give you rest. And if you're here this morning and you've never come to Christ, hey, come to Christ. You want more peace? He's never going to get it except for receiving Christ. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Every person's heart he's knocking on. And he says, if you open the door, I'll come in and I'll dine with you and you with me and I'll have fellowship with you in your life. But you gotta, here's what you got to do. If you want to receive Christ, you got to admit you need him. The Bible says all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. you got to admit that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. That's the first step. And then you got to trust Christ because God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you've never done that, you need to have a time in your life where you say, I'm going to trust Christ. I'm going to receive him as my Savior. And that's the last step. Admit, trust, and then you need to receive. The Bible says, but as many as received Christ, he gives the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. When you do that, there'll be peace. Because therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you've never done that, make today be your day. Get peace with God. And I'll help you do that by just praying a simple prayer. You can pray that prayer during our prayer time. It's called the sinner's prayer. I prayed it 40 years ago. Best decision I ever made was to receive Christ through the sinner's prayer. All I'm going to ask you to do is raise your hand and say, Pastor John, pray for me. I want to pray to receive Christ this morning. I'll pray for you during this prayer time. And you can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning, God. Thank you that your word reminds us that you're a God of peace that wants us to be a people of peace and have, instead of restlessness of soul, have rest for our souls. And Father, would you help us as followers of Christ to have the right focus? Help us to be people that rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Help us to have the right spirit, Lord. Help us to be people that have a forbearing spirit towards other people because the Lord is near. Help us to be people of prayer too, Lord. People that are not being anxious but by Letting our requests be made known through prayers and supplication with thanksgiving, Lord. Help us to give our burdens to you in prayer, Lord. Help us to have the right thinking too, Lord, because we're people of the word. Help us to begin our days and end our days just reading your scriptures so you can help us to have that right thinking instead of stinking thinking, having right thinking, Lord. I pray too for this area of obedience, Lord. We're never going to have peace in rebelling against you or disobedience, Lord. And for people here this, this day that need to get right with you and um, repentant area, Lord. I pray that today would be a day of repentance. Saying, done. I want peace. I want obedience. I'm going to repent in this area of my life. You need to do that. Do that today. Just get it right with the Lord. Confess it. Forsake it. Repent. And Father, I pray that we go to you, Jesus, too, to be our source for peace. Forgive us for trying to look to stuff or circumstances or a better life for peace. Help us to look to Jesus for peace, Lord. He's the Prince of Peace. And Father, I pray for anybody that might be here this morning that needs to get right with you, Lord. 
They don't have peace because they're not at peace with you, Father. And I pray that today might be the day that they get it right, that they admit their sin, and they trust Christ, and they receive Christ as their Savior and their Lord. And and if God is knocking on the door of your heart this morning, you just want to open your heart to his love and his forgiveness and his grace, I want to lead you in a prayer. But here's what I want you to do. If you want me to pray for you in this prayer, I want you just to raise your hand and say, Pastor John, pray for me. I need peace. And if you, if you want to do that this morning, just raise your hand right now, and I'd love to pray for you. I, I see a gentleman right back there in the back theater seats. I see another gentleman right there in the back corner. Anybody else right here? Uh, a lady right here and uh, another lady right there. Keep your hands up, please. I want to pray for you. Keep your hands up. A couple people back there in the back row. Praise the Lord. Right here, a young, young little, little guy right here. Praise the Lord. Another lady right back here. Keep your hands up, please. Couple people right here. All right, for those that have their hands up, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that the Prince of Peace comes in your heart right now. I want you to be bold, though. I want you to stand up right now so I can pray for you. Please, don't be afraid to stand up for Jesus. Come on. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Keep, stand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All these people standing. Praise the Lord. And I want you just to pray this prayer right now. Pray it out loud. Church, pray with these people that are standing. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, you're, you're trusting Christ now. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I trust you, Jesus, to be my Savior. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Lord Jesus, I accept you today to be my Savior and to be my Lord, and I will live for you the rest of my life in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hey, praise the Lord. Let's all stand.